Okay, this morning we are uh, continuing our series that we started last week on seven words. Um, it seems like, I don't know about you, but it seems like when somebody becomes famous, they suddenly acquire lots of new friends, or, you know, when they win the lottery. I don't know why you wouldn't tick that box that says, I don't want any publicity. But there are lots of people who, I guess, want publicity, or, you know, people go on Big Brother and things like that, and suddenly, you know, once you're a minor celebrity, you amass all these kind of new friends. Um, I, I tend to think they might have the opposite effect on me. So, you know, if any of you are thinking about applying for Big Brother, you know, you might not get invited round or uh, something like that. Yeah. I think the opportunity to become a friend of God is an interesting thing. Um, some people maybe see it as a, a, a nice idea, but perhaps an uncomfortable reality. Or maybe you have an image in your head of what being in the presence of God looks like or describes. As I said, this morning we're continuing our series about seven words, seven things Jesus said as he was preparing to die on a cross that reveal something about his purpose in coming, dying for you and for me. And this morning I want to read some verses from Luke's Gospel, from Luke chapter 23, and I'm going to read from verse 32. It says, this is about Jesus being crucified, and it says, two other men... Both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That was our verse from last week. And then down to verse 39, it says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And that is our, our verse for today. Today you will be with me in paradise. So I guess there's a, there's a contrast there between two thieves who are crucified along with Jesus and they have different responses. And one of them puts his faith in Jesus. He clearly heard about him and he knew enough to put his faith in him. And Jesus' response to him was, your eternal destiny has been changed. That when you die, something different is now going to happen because you have put your faith in me. And that's a, a theme we'll pick up later on in this series in August. But for today, I want to consider the fact that actually we don't have to wait for death or for heaven to be in the presence of God. It's a reality we can experience today. And in the Bible, people who spent time in the presence of God were changed. It's true in the Old Testament, people like kind of Moses who saw God and whose face was a, a glow and in the New Testament as well, and particularly in the Gospels, about people who had been with Jesus were changed. And we've just got kind of a few examples, really, of the difference the presence of God makes.
never let this woman inside. So there you have three examples of just kind of, you know, when, when people in the presence of Jesus, you know, fish jumped out of the sea, the rain turned to sunshine, and unworthy people were made to feel worthy. Actually, you know, lots of other things happened as well. People were healed. People kind of felt inspired and were set free. And I suppose it's one thing to appreciate how people who were physically with the Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago were affected. But obviously Jesus is not with us in the same way that he was then. And um, maybe for us, being in the presence of Jesus or being in the presence of God might be a difficult concept to get our heads around. And uh, part of it is because it is a spiritual reality rather than a physical reality. So there's an account in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, man of God called Elisha and his servant And uh, all these kind of armies of the king of Aram are amassed against them. And it says this, it says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So uh, it wasn't that that kind of um, Elisha's prayer sort of meant that they were there when they weren't there previously. It was about kind of open his eyes so he can see the spiritual reality. That even though physically there's all these kind of armies and horses and chariots, spiritually speaking, God is greater and he is there. And I suppose in some respects, you know, we're not unfamiliar with the concept of there being things that we can't see and yet still being real. So, for example, the air we breathe, you know, we can't see it, but we depend on it and we put our trust in it. You know, the internet, I've got no idea how the internet works or anything like that. But, you know, most of you now who are pretending to take notes on your your phones but actually surfing the internet, you're you're relying on this kind of unseen reality. Um, Or maybe maybe, maybe it's just me, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Karen and I, when we, uh, we used to live in a, a flat in Lisa's Terrace where we had a, um, it was kind of an upside down flat, so the, the sort of bedrooms were down in the basement. And because it was in the basement, you, could, the, you couldn't pick up a television signal down there. And we, we kind of had this really long wire that went from, from sort of upstairs, downstairs, down the stairs, and it had to go out through the, the living room door. And, uh, and what happened was, because the door kept getting shut, it would fray. So, you know, if Caroline was having a cell upstairs or something like that, I'd go downstairs, put on the news, and then I'd hear the door upstairs shut, and the picture would just go, as, as the kind of wire had, had frayed, and it was kind of very frustrating. And now we have this kind of thing, and again, I don't know how it works, but this thing that magically I plug it in downstairs and I plug it in upstairs, and there's no wire, but if I want to watch the football upstairs and, and kind of, um, I just switch this on, and it works. And, and sometimes, actually, the, the kind of unseen things are, are better than the, the seen things. I guess the, the point is, just because we can't physically see something doesn't make it any less real. I think another challenge in our thinking about the presence of God is the idea that God is present everywhere, isn't he? Um, and, and he is, you know, God is present everywhere. But yet, sometimes we talk about, well, you know, God is here in this meeting or in this place, or that we are in the presence of God. 
And what we generally mean when we talk about that is God is present for a purpose, to be with you, to be with you. And that's the the challenge of getting across the, the spiritual reality of God's presence without reducing it to something as mundane as Bluetooth. You know, we're talking about something powerful and personal and intimate. We're talking about God being present in a particular place or with a particular person in a way that's different to everywhere else and everyone else. There's something intentional about it. I suppose it's a bit like, you know, not just kind of being in the audience at the concert, but kind of going and meeting the singer backstage. We're talking about something spiritual and purposeful. Which all kind of begs the question, well, why would I want to be in the presence of God? Well, I guess I come back to, you know, what we sort of saw there in the Gospels and what I mentioned before, and the difference it made to people when they were with Jesus or when they appeared before God. And it, not just in the Gospels, King David in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms said, in Psalm 16, verse 11, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Speaking personally, when I'm in the presence of God, I come alive. And I think this is a, a reflection really of the fact that we are not designed to be on our own, that we are designed to be in relationship and interconnected with others. Now, personally, I love, um, I love solitude. So is that painting there? I don't think you can quite make it out, but painting that you, you can see in the Lane Gallery by John Martin, it's called Solitude. And, uh, and uh, I, I, you know, I kind of really uh, enjoy just kind of having time on my own, probably more so since I've had a family because it's kind of a much rarer occasion, but um, that energizes me. But also, I'm also energized by being with people. There are people who I enjoy being with and who are good for me. And I think, I don't know about you, but different people draw different things out of me. I don't know whether you experienced it. So I was at a, uh, some kind of social gathering a few weeks ago, and I was talking to um, Owen and to uh, Andy and Tone. And um, I don't want to shatter any illusions this morning, but I have the capacity to be slightly cheeky sometimes. And uh, I know for some of you that illusion was you know, shattered, swept up, and put out for the big men a long time ago. But, um, so I have this capacity to be slightly cheeky. And so I was talking to Owen and Andy and Tone, and I, I kind of... I, said something, you know, and uh, Owen, Owen said to me, he said, Steve, I can't believe you just said that. Whereas Andy said, Owen, I can't believe you can't believe Steve just said that. <laughs> and I guess that's a reflection of uh, the fact that Andy's known me a long time, or m- maybe Andy at the worst of me, I don't know, you know. <laughs> I don't think he does. But different people draw different sides of us and uh, different aspects of us, don't they? I've got, you know, obviously got a few friends. I've got a friend who's a uh, psychotherapist. And actually, when I, I talk with her, I have quite kind of deep uh, conversations. I've got another friend who, whenever I talk to him, we just talk about like James Bond films and things like that. You know, different people draw different things out of us, which is a reflection of the fact that we are supposed to be in relationship. We are made to relate to other people. And one of the people we're made to relate to is God. And in the beginning, when man was created, he was created to be in the presence of God, in the Garden of Eden. And sin disrupted all that. And it makes perfect sense that the cross and what Jesus accomplished on the cross would overcome this. You know, not necessarily physically, although you can, you know, pray and worship in the garden or 
um, in the park or things like that. But actually, there's something about we were made to be in relationship with God and made to be in the presence of God. And what Jesus accomplished on the cross kind of returns us in some sense to how we were made. We can be who God made us to be when we are in his presence. We can recapture something of that purpose and that original intent. I think different things motivate different people. I'm motivated to fulfill my potential, really, whatever that means. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily need to kind of feel like I'm better than anybody else, but just the best that I can be. And that has to be the best life, doesn't it? To, to kind of live the life we were made to live, there has to be kind of a sense of fulfillment uh, in that. And, uh, you know, there's lots of things that we can't control, and it, it sort of doesn't make sense to have regrets out of that. But I don't want to kind of have regrets about stuff in my life just because I couldn't be bothered, because, you know, there was something to watch on the telly, so, you know, I didn't do this thing that I was made to do. I don't want to get to the end of my life and, you know, the children say, oh, Daddy, what did you do with your life? Well, I've watched all the carry-on films, and I can name the Doctor Who actors in chronological order. Do you know, somehow, I think that's, that's not quite what I was made for. I was made, and we were all made, for something greater than that. And it's, I don't know, it's the stuff of, of cheesy movies, isn't it, where you know, we come to a point and, and suddenly a hero is needed and then this kind of figure who, you know, nobody knows too much about, this shadowy figure and he's a bit of a recluse, suddenly kind of comes to life and steps out of the shadows and actually 20 years ago I was a commando and this is what I was made for and here I am. Actually, you know, Jesus thought it was worth dying so that we could be in his presence, so we could recapture that original intent and that purpose. And that's what the world needs. So what difference does it make, the presence of God? For me, it's all about confidence. It's all about confidence. I mean, there's lots of differences it makes, you know, just as we saw in the, the, those video clips and we talked about. But one of the key things that I want to highlight this morning is confidence. Not an empty confidence, but a, uh, you know, a confidence in ourself. A confidence in ourselves because actually we're with God and he has confidence in us. A confidence in, in others because God has confidence in other people. A confidence about circumstances because God is in control. It says in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, um, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These unschooled, ordinary men were turning the world upside down. And what was the key factor? They had been with Jesus. They'd been in the presence of him. So being in God's presence gives us confidence. And it makes sense, you know, when you're um, at, when I'm at work or something like that in a difficult meeting, I kind of look around and think, oh, I'm really glad my boss is in this meeting because if there's any difficult questions, I don't have to handle them. You know, he can handle them. Or there's definitely been times that kind of in, in church and particularly when I kind of worked for the church where, you know, if Clive and I went somewhere together, it was like, oh, I'm really glad Clive's here to, you know, deal with this situation or answer this. And, and, and that's what God does. Being in the presence of God can give us confidence. One of, the things I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm involved in at work at the minute is this kind of role that I was very, um, I, I was asked whether I, I would take it on and I was kind of felt very much like, actually, I, I'm not qualified to do this. Feel, I'd feel a bit of a fraud 
to, to take this on. I, I feel well out of my depth. But you know, when I prayed about it, I really felt like God said, you know, you, you should do this. It's really good for you. And, um, and that doesn't mean that from that point on, I kind of think, yes, okay, I can do it. But what it means is kind of when I have to do something in relation to this, actually, when I kind of come back to God and just say, well, Lord, here we are, and, you know, look at the fine mess you've got me into. Actually, just God's confidence in me changes how I feel about the situation. That's the difference the presence of God makes. So, finally, how do I get in the presence of God? How do I get in the presence of God? Well, I've got two things that I thought were helpful to highlight. One is about community, which kind of comes back to that verse that um, Alison read at the start. It says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. In other words, Jesus promises, says, two or three come together in my name, I will be there. That's why we can be sure and confident that you know, we're in the presence of God this morning in a you know, special and a particular way. And church is, is kind of, I think, um, and being in, whether it's a big church meeting like this or a cell group or with Christians, is kind of really a really helpful thing because it means it's not just about me and it's not just me-shaped. You know, um, it was really helpful. Somebody was kind of uh, sharing a testimony um, of the fact they'd been kind of impacted by a talk. They're sort of saying, you know, I felt like I'd, I'd kind of dealt with all this. And then, then you know, this talk really spoke to me and, and helped me. And, uh, and I was just kind of reflecting on that, thinking, well, you know, there's lots of things I probably think, oh, well, I've dealt with that. So I don't need to read any more books on that or listen to any more talks on that. But actually, there's something about when we meet together, actually, it kind of gives God the prerogative to speak what he wants to speak. And if we're just kind of, you know, doing our own thing, we'll read the books we want to read and we'll, um, you know, listen to the talks we want to listen to. I think in um, uh, as sort of talking to someone else uh, a wee while ago about kind of church and the style of church and things like that, I was saying, probably less so now, but maybe a, a few years ago, I was saying, you know, in many ways there are a kind of many more churches that are Steve-shaped than this one in some respects. That, that, you know, I kind of think, oh, you know, it would be so easy to go to that church or uh, that would just kind of suit my temperament personally, perfectly. But the thing is, if I, if I kind of just went to a church that, that suited my temperament, how would I grow? How would I develop? Actually, my testimony is kind of being at this church and uh, particularly kind of working alongside, for so, alongside Clive for so long has really kind of drawn out new things in me and developed me in, in sort of new ways. Whereas, you know, if I just went to something that already looked like I looked like, I'd still look like what I looked like all those years ago. And, and so there's something about community that's really um, helpful. You know, when I go... Um, when I go to, to sell every week, actually it, it kind of invigorates me and refreshes me and gives me fresh vision. And uh, I, there's something about being together um, and, and God wanting to be with his people that's really significant. Again, we often when we have kind of corporate prayer meetings, encourage people to come because there's a different dynamic in praying together than just praying on your own. So community is really important. Church, cell, kind of friendships is really helpful. The second thing is about prayer and worship. Uh, Again, David says in Psalm 140, verse 13, he says, Surely the righteous will praise your name, and the upright will live in your presence. Um, Prayer and worship is just so significant in terms of uh, an awareness of being in the presence of God. I am... uh, and I guess there's kind of lots of different ways. You know, we talked about the importance of uh, corporate prayer. 
personal prayer is really important as well. I love, personally, I love kind of going for a walk and praying. Um, so to go to a walk to pray rather than just, you know, I, I try to, when I'm kind of going places, try to pray. But there's something about, okay, I'm intentionally praying here and I'm going to go for a walk because that helps me. And I kind of can reflect on so many precious times and times when God has just spoken to me really um, clearly and in a, a really life-changing way just as I've kind of set aside time to be in his presence and to pray and to kind of bring stuff before him. Um, and, and, you know, when I, when I kind of step up to preach, part of me, um, when I've got a message to share, I kind of think, oh, this worship's dragging on and I want to get up there and I want to share it and I want to sort of discharge this, um, th- this word that I've got. But actually, um, mostly I really appreciate preceding, wor- preceding preaching with worship because it helps me to have a sense of an awareness of God's presence with me, and just he is so affirming and encouraging, and, uh, and I need that, so that's really um, significant. So I think those two things about how do we get in the presence of God, that sense of community and through prayer and worship, uh, are a really helpful platform to respond. So I'm going to ask the band if they could come back up, because um, really uh, the, the sort of response to uh, a word about kind of being in the presence of God is to get in the presence of God, and if we said that, that kind of each other and through prayer and worship is a helpful way to do that, then um, this would seem like an appropriate way to respond. But not just to think, okay, shut, shut my notebook, okay, we're going back into singing mode, but really to, to kind of bear in mind what I've been talking about this morning, about God wanting to be present with us, and us having an awareness of his presence for a purpose. He wants to meet with us. Jesus died on a cross and went through incredible suffering so that he could meet with us, so we could be in his presence, and so he could be present with us. And so we're going to worship, but uh, we're going to pray and just encourage us just to try and, and sort of tune out any distractions and become aware of God's presence with us and really give God space to speak. So can I, can I invite us to stand and I'll pray, and then the, the, the band will, will help us to continue to respond. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you wanted us. Lord, more, more than any religious observance, more than any things that we can perform or do for you, you wanted us. And I thank you, Lord, you still want to meet with us. You still want to spend time with us. Lord, I want to pray this morning, I want to pray that you would help us to understand that, to to kind of get the, the spiritual reality, just like Elisha prayed. I want to pray, Lord, open our eyes this morning to understand that you are with us here, and that you want to meet with each and every one of us in a personal way. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us as we sing songs. I want to pray, Lord God, that you help us to be aware that you're with us to sing these songs too. Lord, we sing songs about you and be just pleased to sing them with you present in the room, that we'd sing them to you, Lord, and just declare our love and our adoration for you. Lord, as we, as we meet with you, as we are present with you, I do want to pray that we give you time and space to speak to us. Lord, we kind of say, well, Lord, you know, I'm here, you're here. 
what he wants to say to me this morning.